Hi, and thank you for listening to Dream 10X Radio, where we interview people attempting to live extraordinary lives. Our twofold purpose is to both direct and inspire people bold enough to do the same. Dream 10X. Face your fears. Dream 10X. This is your boy JC. And Dr. Cable. And this is episode 34. 34. 34. It's wow. pretty awesome. We're still cranking these out. This week we're talking about a book called Homo Deus by Yuval Noah Harari. Have you read this book? I've read half of the book a few years ago. It's a hard book to read. It's a hard book to hold. <laughs> This is true. That's one of the main reasons I quit reading it, because I kept falling asleep with it on my face, so the scared is going to break my nose. It's dense. <laughs> it's both physically dense and uh, mentally dense. Yes. It is a dense book. It's scary. <laughs> yes. I'm terrified now. I'm terrified <laughs> of my life after reading this book. I just want to give up. <laughs> no giving up. Mm-hmm. So what scared you about the book? Uh well, again, it's about the future of mankind and our interaction with technology and how the future just seems so bleak. <laughs> it's, like, oh. it's all socially constructed anyway. <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, we're creating our own future and everybody mm-hmm. who's analyzing, you know, where things, where we seem to be heading, it's just, it's not a happy future that people are painting. Yeah. And, uh... I don't know. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts after reading this book. Um, <laughs> so many things. I mean, this book talks about politics and religion and biology and technology. And there's just so many threads that it weaves together. The author weaves together and... Um, Trying to untangle them all to kind of understand each of the individual threads is really, it's beyond me. Like, Mm -hmm. I I can't understand everything that the author has put into this book. But if I were to summarize it in as simple as words as possible, it's basically that um, what we read in in, in all the other books on artificial intelligence that were focused just on the technology is that um, the, the artificial intelligence that we're creating is basically gonna take over everybody sees that it seems like that's like a a general consensus is that the technology is going to supersede our own intelligence and uh, it's just going to become the next evolution of mankind and Mm. mankind is not going to be relevant anymore that's basically the the sum of this book there's a lot of historical facts and uh weaving in religion and politics and and how all of life since mankind's life since time immemorial is kind of leading up to the, its own demise by the creation of the this artificial intelligence technology that we're creating now mm-hmm. <laughs> um a couple of key takeaways that i had um in the last episode 33 when we talked about the book a brief history of artificial intelligence i uh was drawn to one of the uh, things about uh, the research done by Robin Dunbar, who showed that one of the things that separates humans 
from the rest of the animal kingdom is their ability to socialize, to hold social networks in their brain. That's why we have such a big brain compared to everybody else is we apparently our brains can can hold and manipulate around 150 social network connections. And these connections are important because we're no longer acting as individuals. We now have the power to influence teams of people to move move us forward and some to achieve some objective. And that's a much greater ability than the rest of the animal kingdom. Mm-hmm. You have packs of wolves who can work together in packs of small groups. You have smaller groups of chimpanzees and, and monkeys and stuff that, that exhibit similar behavior. Mm-hmm. But nobody in the animal kingdom can, can control up to 150 connections with, with other people to achieve a, a common objective. Mm. And so that theme comes out in this book as well. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that. I, I just, you know, he, um, Dr. Harari brings out that fact that that's one of the things, again, he mentions that same research, that that's one of the things that separates man from the rest of the animal kingdom is that ability to network, basically. <laughs> Power of the social network. Uh, when I first started hearing about social networking, just by the way, I never thought that was a biological imperative. It, you know, networking to me, I, I'm an uh, introvert and I don't typically network or socialize very much. So I never thought that was very important, but apparently it's very, very important to the survival of man. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, another thing that I, I was thinking that artificial intelligence was a long way away and that really, you know, where we are is machine learning. We're not really... Uh, tech, the, the technical landscape is not really um, in, a, in a point where we're talking about artificial intelligence yet. I, I think I've, I, my last podcast, I was about, you know, it's all about marketing. It's not that big of a deal. But after reading this book, uh, he, Dr. Harari doesn't talk about artificial intelligence so much as being the, the real threat to mankind. It's... Um, uh, the, the, the real threat is, is algorithms, super algorithms. And so when you think about it that way, it really made me think a whole different way about this whole genre of artificial intelligence and machine learning. And it's really just automation and um, the math behind it and being able to do incredible superhuman feats with these algorithms, even though these algorithms are not conscious consciousness they're they're not artificial general intelligence they're just super intelligent they, they can do things that uh they can do things faster and better than humans can and that's really where we are right now we're we're at this point now and that's really more important in terms of displacing humankind than a conscious artificial general intelligence and so i was thinking last podcast that oh we're still a long way away from being displaced but from the machines because they're nowhere near exhibiting the conscious behavior that humans do but harari points out that that's not really important it's really the the, the ability to automate and do tasks faster and better than humans it's really just the automation it's really just the algorithms not the not the consciousness and he, he, the way he puts it is the decoupling of intelligence from consciousness. Mm. And wow, that was totally made me think uh, uh, differently about how I kind of look at this whole field of, I don't know, 
don't know what we call it. Machine learning, artificial intelligence, yeah. whatever you want to call that field. Let's call it artificial intelligence now. <laughs> um, so that was one key point that, that really changed my mind. It was a shift in my mindset. Um, another key point that this book shifted my mindset on was in the last podcast, I thought I, I'm, I really talked about how we were going to become slaves again. We're, the humans were going to become slaves to the machines. But after reading this book, it became apparent to me that that's not the case at all. Uh, if we do really get to this point where these super algorithms are outperforming all the jobs that humans can do, we're going to be not slaves. We're going to be irrelevant. Mm. We're not going to even matter anymore. We're going to become a vestigial biolo biological artifact and probably just disappear. Why is that, though? Because the whole purpose of all of these algorithms and all of the efficiency and all of the automation is to serve some need that we need. Yeah. So why does that make us obsolete? Well, because of the fact that well, not the fact, but because of the, their potential, the potential of the machines to do everything that we do economically, uh, far outpace anything that humans can offer the economic economical system now. So, and Harari points out, you know, he even mentioned a book called The Future of Employment. I don't know if you've heard of that one, but I definitely I want to read that now. But the idea that the machines are going to just replace everything from doctors to lawyers to dentists to, you know just everybody yeah like there's no reason an algorithm can't replace the the specialized work that um these these types of skills that humans perform right now um and so there's an economic imperative to have machines do that so you don't have to, so oh business owners don't have to pay the people to do it Mm. They don't have to pay the machines either, you know, so they're going to make so much more money once all the employers, all the employees get replaced with machines. That's interesting it would replace doctors because I could see it from a perspective of like, perhaps surgery or initial diagnosis, but where's the empathy piece come in? Because that's a huge part of... Well, that was one thing that he mentioned that you know that the bedside manner that you get with a, a human doctor would probably will be replaced um uh, but he did mention there's a lot of companies working on uh algorithms to know you better than you know yourself and know your personality and it and can give you forge empathy it can forge empathy and can give you diagnosis based on your personality type and how you would best receive bad news that's fascinating yeah so, um, yeah, so very interesting shift in my, my thought process mm -hmm. there that uh, at least slaves, you're, you have some use, mm -hmm. but it's even worse than that. Like we would have no use to the mm -hmm. machines whatsoever. I, I was thinking about a Ford quote, you know, Henry Ford, mm -hmm. the car maker. I thought I heard at one point that one of the reasons he raised, he doubled the, the, the hourly salary for his workers from $2 to five or two fifty to five. $5 an hour was um, because of his thinking that um, cars don't buy cars. He needs more people to buy cars from. Mm -hmm. So he paid, paid his workers more so they would they in turn would buy cars. I don't know if that was a true economic imperative or if that was really something that was f something that Ford did, the, the rationale behind raising um, minimum wage or not. I thought I had heard that. I tried to find it on the internet, but uh, 
I, I couldn't before the podcast, but that was one of the things I was thinking that, well, if the machines do take over and do all the work and, and people aren't working anymore, how are they going to have money to pay for any of the services and products that the machines are producing? Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's kind of a weird... Unless we become a really socialist economy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's just mind bending. Like, how do we, uh, how do we go from a uh, this humanistic, liberal, democracy, capitalistic society to a machine-driven society where none of that matters anymore? I just, I can't see that. I don't, I can't get my head around that yet. Um, but that's that's what that's kind of what this book says we're we're headed toward. Um, another thing that I said in the last podcast I thought would be important after reading this book I don't think is important anymore. How can I change my mind on on things in just two weeks after reading another book? That's how books are. Yeah, I, and I don't know if this book is right or not, but it definitely made me think that oh I was wrong when I said the last podcast. And my last podcast was what I said in the last podcast was. I thought that machines would never approach artificial general intelligence until they could become uh, anthropomor- anthropomorphized <laughs> into a human form and become like an android and, and be able to, to walk around in the world because uh, that's the only way you could really experience everything. Mm-hmm. Um, if a machine was just learning from stuff that was reading on the internet. I argued that it could never become the smartest humans because the crap that's on the internet is just BS, right? But uh, Harari points out that uh, the reality is magnitudes crazier than that, that uh, we're going to create an internet, a connected internet of all things. So there would be no need for a, a machine to have human form and walk around and in the world because everything is going to be connected. The internet of things is actually a term right now, but the internet of all things, like everything would be connected to the network, trees, grass, whatever. It's, it's all known by some central hmm. computing intelligence. That's really sci-fi. I think at this point, but yeah. um, that does kind of clip the idea that the machines would need to be able to move around and, and the, the real world in order to, to become truly conscious and intelligent. So, I don't know. All of that was just kind of scary to me. <laughs> um, and then on top of that, uh, Harari is clearly not a practicing or does not seem to be a religious individual. <laughs> okay. Because there's a lot of uh, a lot of talk on how religion does not matter anymore. Uh, hasn't mattered for a long time, actually. And in the new emerging religion of dataism, uh, it's completely irrelevant. And so that that's causing me to think a lot as well. Um, someone who grew up in a Christian household and you know. Um, I'm, I admit I'm agnostic right now because I don't want to freely give my belief and, um, I, I, you know, I don't want to believe anything that's not real. I, I, I need to prove it. Mm-hmm. That's just part of who I am. I have to prove it. Um, and I, I guess I am largely data driven myself. Like, you know, show me the data, show me the, 
you know, I don't want to just blindly believe what people tell me, in other words, because there's been a lot of heretics throughout history, and I, I don't want to blindly believe somebody who's telling me stuff if it's not true. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am agnostic, but uh, I can neither prove nor disprove that there is a, a Christian deity or a Jewish deity or, or a Muslim deity or... Does Buddhism have a deity? No. There's no, <laughs> <laughs> no deity Or Hindu Buddhism. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I can't prove or disprove that. Yeah. So uh, I can't say that, that does, there is no God. I can't really say that it was a man... All of these religions are just man-made things. Mm-hmm. I, I can't prove that either. Um, but in this book, he clearly states that we've gone through that... Uh, the phase of, you know, believing... Trying to trying to come up with answers to burning human questions and solving problems by looking to the stars, astrology or whatever, back in the Babylonian times, to uh, to then manufacturing gods that would answer these questions for us, mm-hmm. um, whether it was Judaism or Christianity or Muslim or whatever. Um, and then we've gone from that to uh, a religion called humanism. Mm-hmm. And do you know anything about humanism? From an education perspective. So my take on what humanism is, um, is the root of liberal democracies. So it's the idea that individuals have free will and um, they're governed by, their decisions are governed by laissez-faire and that the decisions of the individual decisions of the group dictate the, the overall good of the group. And that's kind of the education perspective too, where it's, we really learn by watching the behavior of others. And so it's, it's kind of socially constructed, but um, we really look for intentionally in values and others and learn from that versus a constructivist perspective where we create our own reality. So, I'm watching you and learning from you and how you operate in the world and others around me versus figuring my own stuff out. So it's a different perspective. Hmm. Um, the thing that I didn't quite, I, I didn't know before was that humanism mm-hmm. is the root of the modern liberal democracy. And the one thing I took away from that is the, so, you know, back after World War II, there was this big schism between burgeoning liberal democracy, uh, the democracy we were trying to grow in Germany and Japan, and that was juxtaposed with uh, socialism and communism and the Soviet Union, and, and we had the Cold War, and then um, all of a sudden, uh, liberal democracy started taking hold throughout the world, and then communism fell, and the wall came down, and then Eastern Europe started becoming more more liberal, and uh, or more liberal democracy started in South America, and blah blah blah. And the reason for that was not because of the the uh, really so much the the political idealism of the whole thing, but it was because of the economic power that free thinking people, people who believed they were free and had um, self-determination in their government, within their government and within their economic system, added more economic growth to the nation states that they lived in. And so other, other countries around the world 
who were trying to, to grow their economy and become more um, affluent and more better well off realized that these kind of uh, citizens added, added more value to their, their GDP. And so that's why that's the real reason that liberal democracy started flourishing then is because everybody all these countries wanted to have more affluence in there and better more money and you know happier people or whatever. It wasn't so much about the social the political ideology, the strength mm-hmm. of the political ideology. It was more about the economic value they derived from it. Very interesting to me. So the reason that's interesting is because uh, in the future when machines take over humans are not going to have that economic value to the nation states anymore. So that's a, another argument that he puts forth of why humans are going to become irrelevant even to the, the countries that we, <laughs> we belong in in the future. Yeah. And nation states are Machiavellian. It's, it's the end justifies the means. We really, uh, we, the value that we bring is economic. It's nothing else. And, and, same, same thing with waging war. Less and less are we needed to wage war anymore. We're leaning more and more on technology. No humans in the loop driving drones is just, I mean, you're back in the base, whatever, mm-hmm. driving a drone. Uh, so no pilots and aircraft, more and more. Uh, nuclear weapons, you know, humans are not really needed in warfare as much, not nearly as much as they were in the past. And That's so the progression empathy. of that yeah. is... We, we won't need humans at all to wage war. And that's why I go back to empathy. We're like in World War II when you were literally across the trenches from your enemy and mm. you could see them and kill them and it had meaning. Mm-hmm. And so this, this, the leveraging of technology, especially in war, totally dehumanizes it. Mm-hmm. And without that empathy piece, it's, it's meaningless. Mm-hmm. We're killing unknown people. Yep. Yeah. Well, and they're killing us. And, and so that goes back, I think, to the decoupling of intelligence from consciousness. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a, I think that really has a profound impact on our future. And I, I think it's an interesting question is, is, our con- is consciousness the, <laughs> is it the, ra- the radical difference between us and the rest of everything, like the rest of all the animals and the rest of the machines. And the, the interesting thing to me, uh, there's two interesting things to me. Is that, is that consciousness the thing that's going to bring us back to our faith and our religion as being central to uh, our importance as, as a species on the planet? <sighs> I wish we were not talking about extinction of homo sapiens Mm. like why not you know why not the continued evolution of homo sapiens why do we need to become extinct uh, because of this tool that we're generating i don't don't quite understand that um but i think it's because of how efficient and intelligent these you know the algorithms are that we're we're making Mm -hmm. um i i think that they're just too too fast and too efficient and too smart at what they do. I mean, look at the stock market and how a lot of the trading now is done by these these super algorithms, super algorithms, these these trading algorithms. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that are crying foul. It's not, hey, it's not fair. I can't trade. If I see something falling, a stock falling, I can't sell it as fast as these algorithms can. It's not fair, you know. 
And, and so we're already getting to the point where, well, how do I compete with these algorithms? How do I make, how do I build as much wealth as these algorithms are able to do? How, how am I going to be relevant in my field, my, my professional field? And, um, yeah, that, that's, that's the real question is how we're all going to be relevant in our professional field and make a living. How are we going to make a living? <laughs> how are we going to continue to make a living in the future with these, with the, the, the technology is so change. thick with irony. Yeah. Like we're making all this technology to, to innovate and to, to create more wealth for everybody, but really looking further down the road and we're not talking this book is looking 20 years down yeah. the road, max. Like we're talking 2040, maybe, where this is like a reality where everybody's going to be wondering how they can add value to the economy now because the, the, these super algorithms are, are just far outperforming everything. Mm -hmm. um, so the irony there is crazy, right? Like we created this to help us, but it's displacing us. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so... <laughs> Maybe we all become farmers. We still need to eat. So do, yeah. Well, that crossed my mind. Like yeah. maybe, so uh, that's interesting you brought that up because I'm thinking of the, the show Yellowstone all yeah. the time. Um, like maybe going, maybe the Indians, the Native American Indians had it right all along. Maybe living in symbiosis with the land is the way that mankind lives forever in harmony with their environment without because innovation seems to lead to a dead end for mankind so why are we doing it in addition to that all this technological innovation and revolution is killing the environment uh every day we're we're hearing more about you know forest fires and mm -hmm. temperatures rising and uh you know uh more and more cars on the road and blah 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 and there's just no good news there there's no good news there. i mean nobody is reducing their carbon output like it's just not happening yeah. but and destruction of the rainforests and overfishing and all the pollution in the ocean i mean there's so much that we could be doing differently if if we don't kill our environment first the machines are going to kill us right like, so what do we do i mean <laughs> This seems to be the, the two end games for technological innovation here. Now, like, if we like flip missing? it, so if we flipped it and used the innovation and all the algorithms to clean up the environment and really help us become one with the species, then that could elevate our longevity. Mm -hmm. I'm just not, I'm not hearing that. No, because uh, nobody's where, focused on that. Why is that? Because there's not enough environmental stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>, <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know if self-driving cars are like supposed to help with that, or uh, I don't. I can't imagine I a self-driving car I mean, would help at all with the environment. Maybe if they're self-driving electrical cars, then we've got the efficiency gains there. And mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, electricity. We're still using coal, right? I guess. Yeah. Or I don't know. So anyway, I, I love, I love my field of software engineering, but um, I, after reading a book like this. I'm I'm really worried about the future that we seem to be headed in, and there's got to be a way we can change it, right? How do we change the the discussion? How do we change the the future? I think we need to write a book on a more optimistic future. We need to paint a vision of a more optimistic future for how mankind and technology work together to create a better future for everybody. Mm -hmm. The book is called Homo Deus because um, he mentions how humans have 
you know, evolved through the ages to um, help erat to, to, to move forward from strength to the strength and technology from eradicating hunger to eradicating disease. And we have come a long way. If you look back, you know, to the plagues and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, if you look back through history, he's a historian. So he's looking back through history and, and watching how, uh, uh, documenting how humans have progressed through time uh, in dealing with these things. And how uh, it, using technology, we may get to a point where we can, humans can live forever. That, that was brought up in the book. So there... He did mention a, a kind of a glimpse of a, a great future. But is it our consciousness but, in the machines, or is it actually us in the way that we know ourselves today? <laughs> I mean, what does that well, look like? Well, yeah, and then he goes on to say that, oh, well, this is probably only going to be possible if humans merge with machines yeah. in, in order to make that happen, which is not, I don't want to do that. No, I don't me want neither. To be, I don't want to become, or we get some nanobots in us to continuously repair our tissue and keep us young over time. I don't want that either. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, Homo Deus is the evolution of the Homo sapien. Uh, it's the man god. Mm. And that, you know, f back from my school days, that is like sacrilegious. Like there's no way, you know, man could be become God. Um, so there's all kinds of things wrong with this technological innovation in my mind. You know, it's, it's sacrilegious. It's devastating. We become irrelevant. Why are we doing this? Whether or not I really feel that, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still trying to parse that. I don't know if I'll ever get to an answer there, but yeah. Do I want to be a God? I don't think I want to, I don't know. I don't I don't think so. I was talking to Matthew. I asked him if he wanted to, if he if he could live forever, because it seems like there's some possibility for his generation to have the the technological ability to live, have a lot better longevity than what we have now. And he said he didn't want to live forever, mm. <laughs> which, which I thought was interesting for a 24 year old to yeah. say that. He might, he might change his mind in 30 years. That's true. <laughs> well, really, like, there's so many things I want to do. It could yeah. take lifetimes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's so many languages I want to learn and so many ex experiences I want to have. And shoot, yeah. I'm already 47, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Man, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, anyway, a really thought provoking book. Uh, I learned a lot of new, new different uh, ways of looking at technology here and uh, history. There's a lot of interesting things I picked out mm. from uh, his discussion on history, especially uh, Germany. Yeah, so interesting how he, he mentioned Germany a lot and Hitler mm. and the rise of Hitler and how that kind of segue with humanism. Um, you know, the the focus on trying to build a master race. Mm -hmm. um, so that is another threat. Uh, from this humanistic religion mm -hmm. as people trying to you know capitalize on ideal idealism like that and and kind of you know hurt the rest of the humanity from their idealism and he also brought up an interesting fact on how or a fact an interesting thought on how global leaders today are not trying to don't appear to be trying to leverage this new artificial intelligence, machine learning, the, the, uh, this type of technology to their benefit in, in uh, becoming despotic leaders. Mm. 
which I thought was interesting. I, I kind of wish he didn't let that genie out of the bottle there, but he did mention it and yeah. was kind of questioning it. And I think his answer to why they have not is they, they, a lot of the world just is not in tune with where technology is, is at right now. Uh, <laughs> he beats the crap out of religion, this whole book. I just like, dang, man, what is his beef with religion? He really doesn't like religion. So any organized religion. Didn't seem like it. Yeah. Didn't seem um, like it. And, and uh, Harari is, I guess, a professor at Hebrew University, in, mm. I think in Jerusalem is what I read on Wikipedia. So I don't know. I, I don't know the guy, but it seems like he's got a beef with religion. Or maybe he's just trying to be factual. I don't know how you be factual with religion, but um, definitely beat the crap. I don't know what I was, where I was going with it there. But, um, uh, but oh, so... Yeah, even even religion um, is not up to par with where we are, with where technology is right now. So all of these groups, these politicians and, and religious leaders and, you know, all these influential groups are not keeping abreast of where technology is. And they're not helping to push tech, the technological envelope. So they're, they're losing their power because of that, mm. which I thought was a really interesting concept. Mm -hmm. Just... They're just unaware. Um, I'm. I work in the technology field, and I'm unaware. And mm -hmm. I'm trying to. Uh, I don't know if this book and these other books are actually um, correct in their uh, assessment of where technology is, uh, or where they think the future is going. I'm still trying to figure that out. But it's an interesting picture. Uh, a lot of you know Ray Kurzweil and some of the other guys are agreeing that. You know, the singularity moment is near. The end is near. It sounds like the Bible. This is what yeah. the Bible is like. The end is near. The end is nigh. We're going to be merging with computers, you know? Yeah. They're all kind of preaching the same gospel from a dis different perspective and for, for different reasons, which is also interesting. Maybe it's just another man-made religion. <laughs> ding, ding. <laughs> maybe this whole it's AI all stuff. It's constructed. Yeah. Maybe AI is just another... Dataism, it's, it's all just another man made religion. Absolutely. That, that, you know, trying to we control the Facebook. population mm -hmm. on. And yes, Facebook. So, three major corporations were mentioned in this book for uh, being really powerful in terms of knowing who we are better than who we, knowing us better, knowing ourselves better than we know ourselves. Mm -hmm. Google, Facebook, and Amazon. And so uh, I thought that was really interesting how these, these three companies are, are uh, really mentioned as being core to, to building this super intelligence mm -hmm. that knows all humanity better than the individuals know themselves and can make recommendations from healthcare to, to legal to marriage to whatever based just on reading your email and what likes you have on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And man, I tell you, when I read that stuff, I'm just like, maybe, maybe there is some wisdom in just totally getting, uh, going dark on the internet. Mm -hmm. just so you're not helping to, to, you know, feed some data monster behind one of these corporations. I don't know. <laughs> Did any other comments from you, Dr. Cable? No, very interesting. About the end discussion. of the world and AI? Well, I, I agree with you that we should write a book on how it could be positive and maybe something really focused on how we can use technology to reconnect with the environment, which is totally opposite of my dissertation. But if we're going to have the technology, why can't we leverage it to do good things? Well, uh, yeah. And I'm also thinking, well, maybe technology is not 
good. Maybe in the end, uh, we need to go back to living like the Native American Indians. I'm all about ditching our cars and getting horses. <laughs> and I, there was an interesting, really fascinating way of putting it. In one chapter, he talks about the, the New Covenant. And again, he like he's pulling stuff out of his religi- religious culture. Yeah. Like I'm sure he's Jewish, grew up Jewish, and he's pulling stuff... That you know, uh, covenant is huge in Judeo-Christian uh, uh, teachings, right? So you got Moses and God in the first covenant. I don't know what covenants are. Uh, a deal, an arrangement between God and, and mankind. Hey, I'll be your God if you if you be my people, kind of thing with Moses and God, right? In the Old Testament, and then in the New Testament, uh, so man didn't live up to their expectations, and God got frustrated with them, and. You know, sent Noah built an ark and he killed everybody, and still things didn't go well with humans. They 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 left God, uh, didn't believe in God anymore. So Jesus came to the earth, God incarnate on earth, and created the second covenant and gave Himself on the cross, uh, and and sacrificed Himself for all the sins of mankind. Said, "All right." I'm sending my son to save you guys because you're all wicked and evil and you're, you're totally ignoring God. You're, you're, you're not being my people. You're ignoring me. So I'm going to kill my second, son? So this is the second covenant. Well, this is Christianity, right? Okay. This, is, this is the way it worked. I mean, <laughs> right. shedding of blood is uh, for the forgiveness of sins. This was like a thing back in the day. You know, okay. Before that, it was you got to kill a bull or kill a ram or whatever. Sacrifice a ram for forgiveness. And So he mentions the third covenant uh, is modern. It is man's uh, deal with modernism. Mm. We live in this modern society, and we sacrifice. We we give up uh, our 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 Homo sapien freedoms, our 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 relationship with nature, uh, <laughs> our relationship with the world, uh, to live in this modern society, this concrete jungle, this rat race, this mm. uh, world driven by technology. That's the third covenant. Hmm. And now all of those other, you know, and, and in this third covenant, you don't have a relationship with God. God doesn't exist. There's only technology. Isn't this interesting? Yeah. So really made me, th- really making me think about some things. And it's also making me reevaluate some of my thoughts on Christianity. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, just leave it there. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We hope you guys have a good week over and out.